Welcome to Game Time. I'm Tim Baxter. I'm Danny Barcelona. And I'm Alan Tarleton. It's coming home, boys. It's I, coming home. I tell you who has come home. Alan, he's been away for yeah, like you have. two weeks. What a pleasure it is to be back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that almost sounded sarcastic. Um, in the hot, sweaty studio. Now, England are in the semi-finals. It's mental. What's going on? I don't know. I think hell's frozen over. Maybe. <laughs> it's finally happened. Absolutely. I think Reading Festival are definitely going to line up Frank Skinner to do a set of uh, <laughs> It's Coming Home on repeat ten times. Well, this is the most famous they've ever been, Frank Skinner and David Deere. Like, their, their tune is played after every goal. Like, was it's it, on a, the biggest stage ever. Was like, it number one this week? Oh, probably. It wouldn't surprise me. It's, it's entered the charts. It's not number one yet, but oh, it is okay. pushing up. If we get any further, it's definitely going to be there. Oh, it's, I think it'd get there. Imagine if we win, it'd be the best-selling record of 2018. It would never stop being number one for the rest of time. <laughs> just always no other one. songs are ever allowed to be played. It's just that. <laughs> just like, here's some Dua Lipa with three lions. <laughs> it is amazing, though. It's like a par- party atmosphere, isn't it? Um, it is I was out in town on sort of Saturday during the middle of the day. Everyone's out. You know, celebrating, chanting, albeit sort of supplemented by a bit of liquid courage. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's sort of captured the nation, hasn't it? Yeah, it's because England are playing well. They and are, for the first time yeah. ever since, well, 1966. Yeah, mm. I mean, they played well in Italia 90, but that yeah. was before yeah. any of us were born. But And also, I, I can't believe it, but like, there's going to be some serious sickies on yeah. Thursday <laughs> if we actually get through, can you imagine? Let alone on Monday, if we actually win the thing. I mean, there's been, I reckon people have quit work already. I mean, there's two people today that have actually quit work just so they can, just so they can have a massive piss up. Boris Johnson and David. (laughs) (laughs) They have preemptively quit, put the country into disarray just because they want to have a massive sesh over the next two weeks. Oh, wow. That's the best explanation for cabinet resignations I've ever heard. Sorry, Teresa, I'm living it large. <laughs> Who says we don't talk about politics on this pod? <laughs> well, we're informed here. Yeah, that's covered that. <laughs> no, I'll box check. But no, I'm, I've been spending the day trying to figure out if I can sell a kidney to get to the <laughs> final. You're going to so if, if, I, yeah, if anyone is listening, um, I have a very knackered kidney. It's probably going to be no good, but it'll be, it'll be yours for a final ticket. <laughs> Mental that there were still tickets for the quarterfinal on the day of the quarterfinal. Like, it wasn't sold out in the end, was it? No, I don't think it was. Yeah. Is... A lot of the stadiums haven't been maxed out, especially no. especially in the group stages. Um, but then, obviously, obviously in knockout rounds, it's a lot lot more full. But, I mean, credit to the Russians, they've managed to fill quite a lot of their stadiums. Yeah. There's probably a few tickets available for the semis, seeing as the, uh, the host won't be there. But... Oh, he said it. Um, but, I mean, potentially Russia is maybe the biggest success story of this World Cup, though being the lowest ranked team in the tournament before a match had been played, then getting to the quarterfinals, knocking out Spain and going to penalties with Croatia. Who saw that coming? They've done so well. No one will care if England win the World Cup. Yeah, I was reading the Gazeta de la Sport the other day. I should definitely be able to pronounce that a lot better you should. Than, um, than I have. But even their front page said, welcome back to the semi-finals, England. Like, I think it said benvenuto, ben tornado, which means like, Good returns. So, I mean, they've played so well. And I think we were saying earlier, it's the first time that they've not picked a team on just massive names. Yeah. He's, Gareth Southgate has done so well to just make that team play as a cohesive unit and just 
play freely in their own style. I think Gareth Southgate's the, the key to this England team. Without a doubt, it's um, oh, it's all well and good having Harry Kane up top. But I think Gareth Southgate, is, he's brought in this mentality that um, we've never had before at England. He's a genuine, he's a man for the like, people, but he's, you know, he's so invested in other, like Jake Humphrey, the, the BT Sport presenter, I was told a story on Twitter about how he, he was doing an interview with Gareth Southgate for BBC and uh, turned up to like Middlesbrough training ground um, expecting him to be maybe two or three hours later or maybe cancelled because that's what people did and Gareth Southgate came running over the hill ten minutes later like oh I'm really really sorry like uh, I'm sorry to keep you waiting uh, come on over to the training ground who do you want to speak to what do you want to do what do you want to get for your interview which he was so unused to like with other people just cancelling willy nilly because it doesn't matter doesn't think that that matters because it was like Gareth Southgate was so it was so important to him that a kid's sort of TV show was getting this you know, really important interview. He was so invested in it, which I think you can't see Fabio Capello doing that, can you? No, not uh, at all. In, in the past, the manager has always been a side story for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But, you know, the news stories about Gareth Southgate have only been positive. Yeah. You know, leading into the World Cup, maybe there was questions about him tactically, but as a man, it was all positive, wasn't it? And I think he's made the impossible job look easy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. And there's a lot of, that's been made about sort of England falling in love with their national team again. And it's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. We're all sort of, you know. Just see how beer sales have increased. And like, waistcoat <laughs> sales. Waistcoat sales. Waistcoat sales have gone and through the roof. And stripy ties. And he's did, done, you, he's, did you see the impersonator at the game? Yeah. Oh, the guy in the stand that was the Gareth Southgate impersonator. He brought like a stick on nose and everything. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, I was in tears. Like it was very good. Oh, he's like, oh, Gareth, the commentators were like, oh, Gareth Southgate, he surely can't be there. Like, he's in the middle of the crowd. Dressed, literally, it was so, so, so accurate, but so funny. And it just shows the right system works more than having all the top players. This is probably one of the more limited squads we've taken to a World Cup. Like most inexperienced. Most inexperienced. Um, the one least littered with star talent compared mm. to previous years. But he's found a system that works for the players. And it's, yeah, working very well. I mean, we've talked now for I don't know how many minutes. We haven't even mentioned the score yet. No. England... Normally, a World Cup would sort of scrape through these games. Was pretty comfortable. 2-0 win. And Sweden maybe, yeah, pushed a bit in the second half. But for most of that first half and most of the game, England were in complete control. I think, I think we were even we were probably worse at the start and then sort of towards the end, generally got better and better and better. We did look a little bit shaky at the start, um, trying to break down the, that Swedish sort of organisation. But as soon as we started moving the ball around a bit, even, and even though we can criticise Sterling... Um, Sorry. About him, you know, missing two very golden opportunities uh, to score. Like, the work he put in was huge. And it yeah. just, the more the game went on, the more he could stretch the defence and the more we just sort of worked them around and, you know, played through them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it was a genuinely good performance in the end of it. And we didn't have to go to penalties and I didn't have to almost <laughs> be sick again. I think the, the Raheem Sterling thing is a good point to pick up on because a lot, and I'm not saying Twitter is the be-all and end-all of social interactions, but... It, it nearly is nowadays. A lot of people were annoyed at Raheem Sterling's inability to finish chances. And yes, he probably should have put away at least one of those one-on-ones. But I think a lot of people forget what he actually brings to that yeah. team. Well, His build-up was... play is so key to yeah. what England are trying to do. Yeah. And just because, obviously, he didn't finish those couple of golden chances, like you said. Other than that, he's been the most creative of packing player for England mm. in terms of yeah. take-ons and all of these things. Yeah. 
And it's really key to what England are trying to do, yeah. driving into the opponent's final third. He was, exactly. he's, he's a player we need for that. Yeah, he was bottom of the, the BBC player tracker, which is just that you know, all-important stat for how well people <laughs> have done. Um, he was bottom of that, and then people on Twitter were getting really, really angry because, like, did you not see what he did for the team? Because although he didn't have you know, a defining influence, he was so, so crucial in, yeah, stretching that Swedish defence and moving them around a bit. With, with, and it worked so well with Harry Kane up front as well because everyone said Harry Kane had been really, really quiet, but he had a very, very important role as well. Is he dropped deep, picked the ball yeah. up, hold it up, challenge defenders, that physical threat. So I think they work so, so well together. Um, and, and who needs goals from Sterling anyway when our centre-backs are knocking them in for fun? <laughs> no problem. Harry oh, Maguire. And, what I mean, John Stones earlier as well. But he's, he's the talk of the town now, Harry Maguire. I like, have you seen the meme of him? Oh, there's so many. It's like weird. Like It's him like leaning over the barrier talking to a fan and it's just turned into a meme. Just go and There's watch so it. Many tweets yeah, Carl really, Walker really posted one. Yeah. And I think there are a few others. Yeah, but Harry Maguire has been amazing. It I mean, has. Pre, prior to the tournament, mm. I was definitely in the camp of, I think Cahill should play. A uh, bit of experience, possibly a bit more solid. You don't know what Harry Maguire is going to bring. I reckon Mama and Papa Maguire were probably a bit <laughs> suspicious of him starting. <laughs> but no, he's absolutely, he's been rock solid. He's brought the ball out from defence. He's been assured almost the whole time. And scored goals. And, and scored and a goal. Scored goals. The way. No, it's been amazing. Probably the second aim on the team sheet now after Harry Kane. The two Harrys. Well, yeah. or Jordan Pickford after that performance. You know what? We could probably dissect every single individual performance. I don't think any English player has had a bad World Cup. No. Even in that reserve game against Belgium. I don't think any player did particularly poorly. No. I mean, Danny Welwick didn't really get a chance. He got like three minutes no. and spooned the ball off the to pitch. Honest, but I Danny Welwick was even there. But... <laughs> I think for the first time, especially in my lifetime, I've seen an England squad come to a World Cup and just look relaxed and calm. And even when they're out on the pitch, they all look like they want the ball. Um, the defenders are bringing the ball out. I mean, I think, was it an interview with Rio Ferdinand? I think he said that Sven Goran Eriksson specifically said that he didn't want his defenders bringing the ball out. Like, oh, he really? Like, he was like, um, my team doesn't play like this. It was when he was first breaking into the team, I yeah. think. And oh, wow. Sven, obviously, Rio Ferdinand was known as a ball-playing defender. And he told Ferdinand, my defenders don't run with the ball. And he said, that's what I do, though. And he's like, if you want to be in this team, you don't come out with the ball. You don't play with the ball. And um, Confidence assuring. Yeah, and there was a lot of other sort of interviews and things made about, you know, this defensive aspect that Sven met, uh, brought in. Capello wasn't much better. Yeah, but you know, Gareth Southgate's a very different style, enjoyable to watch. He hasn't altered from it at all, and yeah, it's been fantastic. Can I ask you guys one question, and feel free to answer this whichever way you want. Go on then. Is the uh, Daily Telegraph the reason why England might win the World Cup? Because without that sting, expand please. They never would have uh, caught Big Sam Allardyce. I was just about to say With that. the uh, football bung. Then Sam Allardyce would never have been fired. Gareth Southgate would never have got the job. And England would still be playing probably 4-5-1 and just keeping the ball for 1-0 wins. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> give the Daily Telegraph the credit for that. Yeah. But it's a fair point. In but that you could do a lot of things by extension for that. If Iceland yeah. hadn't knocked us out, then Roy Hodgson would still be manager. True. Um, if... Mrs. and Mrs. Kane wore a condom, then <laughs> <laughs> Harry wouldn't be here. Um, if they I did, think if there's a lot of things. That, a thing, then if, yeah. If, if, if the, the, the person had invented a waistcoat, then Gareth Southgate would never be manager. Speaking of the waistcoat, though, um, Warwick Castle. Um, Where's this going? Oh, well, Warwick Castle, obviously flying the England flag like a lot of sort of 
people across the country, but they're also flying a Gareth Southgate waistcoat <laughs> above above the castle. That is beautiful. And that has sold out now. The official, uh, yeah. I think it's M&S or something, sell the official England suit, but that's that's completely sold out. Gareth, Sponsor us, M&S. <laughs> Gareth Southgate is not only a top manager at this point, but a style icon. Oh, I wow. genuinely think that we are going to be seeing for Halloween just everyone dressed up as Gareth Southgate. It's going to be though, like someone, some supermarket are going to sell the wonky noses as like an, <laughs> as a Halloween accessory, and kids are going to have to buy them. And their mums are going to stick them on, and then are going to walk around like giving sweets <laughs> to just people with crooked noses. The thing is, even if England win the World Cup, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, even if Gareth Southgate does it and wins the World Cup, I still reckon he's going to be remembered for that Pizza Hut advert. <laughs> oh, he can, he'll never get away from that advert. It's, yeah, uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's there permanently in the internet <laughs> records now, so he's not getting away from it. But I mean, whatever happens on Wednesday now, though, I think the England team are certainly going to come home, you know, as heroes, without a doubt. It's, no, it anyone, really doesn't matter. You'd, if you'd said before the tournament, like, would you take a semi-final win? Like, it would be obviously yes, because yeah. no one expected us to. Well, half the people didn't expect us to get through the group stages, and then anyone else that thought that would say, "Oh, we'll get knocked out in the round of 16. To get to the semi-final is beyond what anyone could have hoped so and to have a game against a Croatia side who on paper look amazing we've said it pretty much every pod how good they look they have not played well in this knockout stage no not at all not at they all they started strongly and then the last th- three matches have been shocking exactly Two they they had to sneak past Denmark on penalties and Kasper Schmeichel was unbelievable <laughs> in that game but Subasic was just better and then again sneak past Russia on penalties again. After a very poor penalty shootout. <laughs> exactly. And that's an important point as well, because um, I read an interview today about the 1990 World Cup, and obviously we went out in the semis there. But they were talking about how in the build-up, England had to go through twice on penalty shootouts. Mm. Now, that also meant they had to play the constituent extra time both times. And they said that team was so tired having to play two lots of extra time. And that applies to Croatia now as well. Yeah. It's, it's a good team, but it's an ageing team and a team that's had to play 30 extra minutes twice in the space of a week. It does. And I think that could potentially play a factor. They there's were a lot out, of old legs they there. They were out on their feet against Russia in that last 10 minutes or so. Like The keeper went down with cramp, yeah. which is saying something. You know, If your keeper's needing medical treatment at the end of the game, I mean, it would have been gutting for Croatia if he'd gone off because they probably would have lost if they'd had to sub him off. Yeah. Um, or, well, they didn't have a substitute left, so it would have been... I think he went down in about the 89th minute. Yeah. Uh, if they'd had to take him off, put someone else in goal... And then they wouldn't have had a keeper for, or a good keeper for the penalty shootout, which would have made a huge difference. But it's the fact, yeah, the fact they were completely gone at uh, 119 minutes on the clock. And then that penalty shootout was very poor because of that. Mm. I think the problem with Croatia is, and just looking at the way their team lines up, they've got such good creative players. But I feel like they almost have too much dependence on that creative player. That they almost give the ball to Rakitic and Modric. And they're behind centre-backs. Like, yeah. they're picking the ball up, like, so deep in their own half and I don't care how good of a midfielder you are you are not going to be able to create much from your own half 50 yards inside your own half or picking the ball up inside your own box yeah. and you, you've seen the sort of little bits of Modric and Rakitic they work well when they're pushed a lot further forward yeah. like De Bruyne for Belgium as well which we'll probably get onto but I think England can really be I don't I, w- I want to say optimistic is the word yeah. that it's the only word that fits well, in I that I think we will be now. But, um, I mean, you can sell, like, it very much depends on that Croatia team selection because about, what, 
80 minutes in or something, they brought on uh, Brozovic. Mm. Was it in that or it might be in an extra time? I can't remember. But they brought on Brozovic for um, either Mandzukic or Perisic. I think it was for Perisic. Perisic which meant that yeah. he, uh, he would sit back and then Modric and Rakic could push up 20 yards more, which then means they can create stuff. And they were playing better because of that. Um, so it very much depends on their team selection. And they're better games in the group stages when they were playing with three central midfielders, those two wide players and then Mandzukic up front. And then for some reason, Mandzukic is playing on the left, which he did for Juventus because he's up there with Higuain this season. But yeah. it, why would you play Mandzukic on the left? It doesn't make sense. Um, Weird wide target, man. Yeah, so I it think very it, much depends on that Croatian team selection. Of the two teams, though, I think, yeah, Croatia are definitely the ones that are going to blink and sort of change their system. You don't see... We were talking about Gareth Southgate being sort of unflappable with his team selection, the way they play, the formation you're pretty much going to see the same team going into that game, aren't you? It's Croatia yeah. that are probably going to you know, pack the midfield a bit more, mm. an extra centre midfielder, sit back a bit more, because they know England are going to definitely want to, well, capable of getting in behind, Yeah, you know, using runners, and that's, you know, they're not going to be able to handle that with their centre-backs if they're isolated. So Yeah, I think, it's going to be- I think Deli Ali and Jesse Lingard will be crucial in that Croatia match, because if they pin back Modric and Rakitic in that midfield... Obviously, that's going to mean Croatia can't create chances. And with the attacking team we've got, like we've got four attacking players behind the two strikers. Yeah. They just need to push that midfield back and back and back and keep attacking, which makes the defending easier for everyone. Yeah. Because that means, yeah, Modric and Rakitic have to defend more and can't get on the ball. And then if they can tire them out, last 15 minutes, we've got a great chance of, uh, of you know scoring a winner if it comes down to that. So, you know, opt- optimistic, we've got a good chance. Yeah. A word on that sort of Russia game, though. That Cherishev goal. Oh, Unbelievable. He is the wonder goal he scored in this tournament. He scored some incredible goals. He's, yeah. he's lit it up considering he was a player that the Russian fans were not too keen on at the start of the tournament. And you know, he's become one of their key players. And yeah, he's lit up the World Cup with some fantastic goals. Man could have his own goal of the tournament competition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just his ones. Absolutely. And a shame to see the moustache go, though. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, manager. He was so animated. He's, he's, a, I mean, he's done so well. Yeah, done very well. I mean, we mentioned they're the worst team ranked. Not anymore. <laughs> um, and they've managed to make it to a quarterfinal. And we're so unlucky in that penalty shootout because Akinfeyev, was it the Modric pen that he got his hand to, it bounced off the yeah. post and then... I sort mean, of rolled to the wrong side of the line. Flip of a coin sometimes. Yeah. Hugely unlucky. Could have been Modric's second penalty miss of the tournament. Two out of three could have missed there. But yeah, yeah. Um, but no, they arrived in Moscow today and received a massive welcome. I think yeah, there were thousands of fans, and rightly so. They definitely they've, deserve uh, it. Yeah, they've sort of changed the opinion, much like England going into the tournament. Maybe not that fancied, but the sort of nations got behind them as the tournament progressed. So yeah, really good to see. Yeah, well, let's look at the second half of the draw then. So France beating Uruguay two 0 Yeah, yeah. I mean, standard. I mean, Uruguay missed Cavani. Yeah, massively massively and I don't think it was ever really going to go any other way once Cavani was on the bench yeah. to be honest France looked pretty comfortable on the ball I still feel like I know I've said it a lot I still feel like France haven't actually really been tested like their hardest game so far was that game against Australia where they well grinded out in a the second half win. of the Argentina match they had to perform because I still think they were in like second gear like they were just toying yeah. with Argentina I don't know why I mean Feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like they can still go up another gear. Yeah, pro- they probably can. And with the time they've got, I wouldn't put it past them being able to just whip something out. And if it comes to England and France in the final, I'd be very, very worried. But, um, I mean, I bet it comes to England Belgium in the final, I'd be terrified as well. So, with Belgium's performance, which we'll get onto in a minute. But, yeah, Uruguay just looked stifled without Cavani and spoke that 
Cavani Suarez pairing up top because um, you can always back them two to create something. But as soon as Cavani went, it's a Suarez struggling on himself, and they don't have the midfield to be able to to create chances. Top of that, though, I think they were perfectly capable of going through. They're such a dis- defensive unit; they don't concede yeah. many goals. But the, I think there was a mentality aspect as well. It was almost like Salah going off in the Champions League final, and you could see yeah. Liverpool heads just drop. And it was the same with Cavani. They knew he was potentially going to be a key to them going through. And as soon as he's out, it's got to affect you mentally. Yeah. Especially yeah. since it was a race for him to get fit and they only found out just before the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what it's doesn't tough. help is a very poor goalkeeping error to let in a second goal. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which is so, after David De Gea saying his is the worst, uh, yeah. worst keeping mistake, Mislero then goes and spoils any chance of his team getting to the semi-finals by palming a ball into his own net. You feel bad. I mean, they happen to everyone. They, they do. It's unfortunate that it happens at a World Cup and quarterfinal. in a quarterfinal when your team is 1-0 down. But Yeah, it's yeah. also very bit shortly defending for the first goal as well, so they didn't, yeah. hope, they didn't help themselves. Um, nice no. to see Uruguay showing their true colours as well. It is, when nice. Mbappe went down and everyone <laughs> pouncing on him. <laughs> I think Uruguay had the least yellow cards going into that game. Yeah. They've any with the most of the whole tournament. And then, yeah, made, made up for it by... <laughs> Yeah, uh, all crowding around Mbappe and the, giving him abuse. The most I've ever seen a referee lose control of a football match was when Mbappe got elbowed in the chest, held his head, fell on the floor, mm. and then every single player ran over. He just um, he just lost control though, didn't he? He did, and he, I mean, he he just needed to. Start, as soon as someone went up and talked to him, and I don't know why referees don't do this, but like as soon as someone comes up talking to them, they're in the camps and they look slightly aggressive, give him a yellow card. Yeah, and, and, and that and just stops. And that's a cornerstone of refereeing. You've got to be able to control your players. Yeah, to a certain extent, you know. Um, Especially with VAR, you can get decisions wrong. Yeah. Or you can. And most referees are going to have a good understanding of the rules to a certain extent. I hope so. But you've, <laughs> the key is being able to control a game. And for about five, ten minutes there, he completely lost the pitch. Yeah. No one was listening to him. No one was, you know, paying any attention to him at all. And I don't think he's ref- going to referee any of the semis or finals. No, I think you're right. He shouldn't do. But no. <laughs> um, no, I think that really benefited France as well because. Uruguay were the team that really needed to pull something out of the bag there, and they looked so rattled. Um, France could just sort of take advantage of that. But yeah, no. Suarez looked super isolated up front. He did. Like he was not. You could see just every time it got into a crossing position, and then it just got cut out or passed backwards. Suarez was just going absolutely mental. Yeah. And he probably would look into the bench like, please. He possibly could have done it about four years ago, but yeah, you no, know, a bit more leggy. He's what thirty-two now, Suarez or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that. Probably his last tournament. He's probably just not or capable. World, of, World yeah, just not capable of taking the game by the horns like that anymore. No, no. when he's yeah, like you said, so isolated up top. No, um, well, let's talk about that Belgium Brazil match then, because what a game that was. Two-one uh, Belgium, Belgium going through. I called it YouTube, or you and your brother didn't. Uh, All right, thanks for reminding right. us. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's about Belgium's golden generation just pulling through against, you know, the team that have never not qualified for a World Cup. It's, it's incredible. Has Lukaku lost a stone in this <laughs> World Cup? I mean, he may have lost a stone, but he still looked huge. Um, like, bulky, but he's just absolutely rapid. He yeah. looked like, you know, there was almost a weight off his back. Perhaps not being at Manu or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's because Mourinho's not just... I was going to say, he almost looks like that 75 million they paid for him at the, at the start of last season. But for the De Bruyne, Nicole, the way he just sort of turned and was like, Right, oh, I'm just his. I'm just going to run at you. I don't care what you do. I'm running straight at you, and you know it was almost That's like terrifying. Oh god, 
it just parted for him almost. He gave yeah. a couple of little shimmies, but just absolute bullet through. And yeah. obviously the De Bruyne finish was... Yeah, I think excellent. that every player in that Belgian team performed in that match, as they needed to, to win. But, like, who'd have thought a Witzel and Fellaini partnership worked so, so well. Oh. Um, they worked really, really well as a defensive unit, which really helped against Brazil, because they're all under four foot. I've never seen Mauran Fellaini be that disciplined in my entire life. Like, he stuck to his task. He won pretty much everything in midfield. And then when Brazil were attacking, him and Witzel just tucked in, made sure that Brazil didn't go through the middle because they looked so poor out wide. They just didn't want to cross the ball into the box. Yeah, Uh, Rightly so. They're all, like you said, they're a lot shorter than the Belgians. But they just could not do anything. And it only took a Coutinho moment of magic to actually get a decent yeah. cross into the box. Well, for... he, did, he missed a sitter to equalise it uh, yeah, later on. But I mean, yeah, no, Roberto Martinez threatened to cut all of Fellaini's hair off. He didn't put in a good yeah. defensive display. So, but no, the tactics were spot on, though, weren't they? And he yeah. deserves praise. And obviously, yeah. the first person to give Martinez praise was Martinez, <laughs> who I think said after the game, "I've never lost a game on the tactics board, only in its execution." Ah, <laughs> 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 prick. Um, <laughs> bit. So. Full of himself. But. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. I, I hope he meant the other way around, but yeah. Yeah. But no, no he, in this game, it certainly pulled off. I mean, performance. Um, oh, uh. G- Hazard showing that he's worth about 500 million quid. If Neymar's worth 200 million, Hazard was outshining him in just the whole game. His right. touch, his running, his speed, his creation was just phenomenal. He looked like a future, you know, Ballon d'Or yeah. winner, best player in the world. I'm not really one for stats, but there was that one stat that um, Hazard attempted 12 take-ons or something like that. And every one, he got past the player. Yeah. So every time he attempted a dribble past the player, he got past him, which is amazing. It makes me so happy to be a Chelsea fan when I see that. And he, oh God, when he wants it, and when he's really sort of yeah. takes the game by the scruff of the neck sort of thing, he's, he's almost unplayable. And he's he, he just got players bouncing off him. Yeah. You know, he just rides challenges like nothing. And you know, with, before you know with, it, Yeah, with Lukaku and De Bruyne there as well. We just, you know, again with world-class players, because I say Lukaku was world-class in that match and De Bruyne always is. But with those players, yeah, they look just stunning. You've got to remember as well, they left out Mertens, they left out Ferreira mm. Carrasco, Dembele still not in the team. Like, they had a load of players on the bench and still performed like that. I think it's maybe because it's a more balanced team with... Uh, yeah. Who did they play on the left? I can't remember. Probably started with Nasser Chadley, didn't they? They did, they started with Nasser Chadley, who, again, you wouldn't have expected to maybe be starting against Brazil, but it worked very, very well. I think Martinez... Like we, like Alan just said, said he's never lost a game on the tactics board. But for once, he was right. We were saying it throughout the tournament that they looked a bit lopsided. Munier on the right is happy to go forward, but can do his defensive work. Whereas Carrasco just looked like a man who did not want to be defending. Whereas Chadley is known more for his work rate. And I think that's what's got yeah. him in the team. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in the side again, purely because that's Kylian Mbappe, yeah. right-hand side. And he's going to want someone who can defend and keep pace yeah. with him. Yeah, Bappe against those three centre-packs would be very interesting uh, in the semi-finals. One thing to note, though, it was sort of a game of two halves, and they were definitely there to be had towards mm. the end of the second. I mean, yeah. when Brazil sort of got running towards the end of the game, it was just too late for Brazil yeah. in the end. Well, but I, was... they, I mean, they could have easily drawn 2-2 and gone to extra time I was there. Bring this there were up. plenty of chances. Brazil looked a much, much better side after they brought on Douglas Cotter and Roberto Firmino. Yeah. And they have... I've been saying this the whole tournament. Brazil should be starting up front with Roberto Firmino. But with Douglas Costa as well, and it pains me to say this, but William looked very poor. Mm. He just didn't really do anything. But Douglas Costa was lightning quick, beats players, which you expect from Brazil, but they you know, hadn't really had that. 
Um, and then with Roger Firmino holding the ball up and you know being an aerial threat as well, they looked dangerous, but it was just too late. And there was um, that one moment where sort of uh, Douglas Costa picked it up on the halfway line, turned, and before you knew it, it was outside the box. Yeah, it was like rapid, quick, and especially when you've got Witzel and Fellaini, who aren't the fastest centre midfielders. Yeah, uh, it's something they possibly could have done with earlier because yeah. Willian doesn't quite have that rapid pace. It's he's not, he's not, very quick, not quite Douglas Costa pace, not quite Douglas and not Costa. as effective. Um, Neymar's transfer value gone up or down after this World Cup? Uh, on the floor. On the floor. Like him. Like um, <laughs> oh, God. Inexplicably, it's still somehow gone up. Yeah. It probably. Um, he, spent, well, he spent it all on haircuts over the World Cup. He's had about three. Uh, I think he scored, what, two goals and three, three haircuts. haircuts. Um, sound like Graham Souness. <laughs> oh, great. I'm um, really happy for that. It's a real shame, though, isn't it? Because it's another World yeah. Cup been and gone for Neymar, and it's just not happened. Obviously, not I, his fault I don't for feel 2014. For oh, no, no. no I, do, I do for 2014. I don't feel better from this one, because he genuinely spent more time on the floor than... Uh, on the pitch, or like, or it's, you know, actually having an effect on the game, but just he looked just average, yeah. which is a huge insult to a player like that. His, his World Cup can be weighed on the number of memes of him <laughs> rather than his contribution <laughs> to football. The awfulness of his first haircut. Oh, those gifts. Right. I've got, I've got a question for you then. We've got four teams left in the tournament. Who's the best player on class left in the tournament of oh. those four teams? So, on Belgium, France, England, Croatia. Well, do it on both. So we'll do it on overall class and then form in the tournament. Uh, class first. Probably Kevin De Bruyne or Hazard. I'm just going towards Kevin De Bruyne because I like, I like a player that makes a team tick. All right, Alan. We'll go with Modric then. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll go with Hazard because uh, it's Classic Chelsea. Classic Chelsea fan. Um, all right, and then who's been the best player on form that's still left there then? <sighs> Which is very difficult because there's been a lot of players overperforming, uh, a lot of good players underperforming. You know, if um, we'd have said this around earlier, I would have said Coutinho. Yeah. Because I think he completely outshone Neymar in that Brazil team. He was the only player that looked a threat in the Brazil team. Oh. Get rid of Neymar, Coutinho was the one, the important one in that team. Um, it's tricky as well. After the group stages, I'd have said Modric, but yeah. not anymore. And it's been an up and down World Cup, hasn't it? It has. Every team has taken their turn to have an average game. Yeah. No player's been sensational. That's why the Golden Boot winners is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. And it would probably be determined by who gets the final, who wins it. Yeah, probably. Because if, if, let's say, if Belgium go out and we get through, Harry Kane will get it. If England go out and Belgium get through, then mm. Lukaku is in with a very good shout. I think, what, is Kane two ahead of him or one ahead of him? Two, I think. Two ahead. He's pretty... Pretty certain to get it now, I would have thought. But uh, yeah, Belgium have got a chance if England go out. Yeah. A note on that. Um, I, I love Harry Kane. Love the fact he's done so much. But is is it the worst golden boot? Yes, in I'm the not history the, of the World Cup. I'm not the I cynical mean, one. For I love once. it, and you know you've got to take what's in front of you. But it's been three penalties, two far post tap-ins, and a that, massive deflection, hasn't it? That yeah, thing. yeah. What I would really love from the Croatia game is a proper Harry Kane, you know, low driven out, of the, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. One of those turn swivel I from think, 20 I think yards or something. Lukaku's goals have been a damn sight better than Kane's have, but yeah. Kane's got more of them, yeah. which that is, is what's true. important. And, and no one will remember in 30 years' time. All no. it's going to say is the uh, golden boot winner, isn't it? So Yeah, that's very true. Right. Uh, I still don't have a clue on form. I, I don't think one player has been on it every single game. Uh, I Well, I'll tell you what I'll go with. I'm going to go with De Bruyne. Because, yeah, he's maybe had some games where he's a bit ineffective. The start when he was playing alongside Witzel in midfield, he was deeper. He was still playing these fantastic worlds, but he didn't have such an effect on the game. But when he's been moved forward, he's been phenomenal. Um, my second choice would be Hazard as well. But no, De Bruyne for me, I think. on Just on form, De Bruyne. 
I, honorable mention for any England players at all? I, I'm, I'm going to go Kieran, form. Kieran Trippier. Yeah, that's yeah. a very Iceland. good shout. I think it was at one point into the last 16 or maybe after the last 16, he had created the most chances, like clear-cut chances. Yeah, yeah. by I mean, a mile, actually, in the group stages. Yeah, he's He's been solid and, to be honest, probably the best wing-back slash right-back in the tournament. You ping the ball out to him. I mean, we were saying in the Sweden game, he won every header and he's not tall, no. but he looks so up for it. Yeah, his leap was incredible considering he was going up against a six foot one yeah. player, I think. And he just out jumped him, I yeah. think, four out of five times. It was amazing. And there was a point in the game as well where I think it was a free kick, central just to the right, 40 yards out maybe. And it's it's a horribly hit free kick. <laughs> Trippier just shanks it wide. And we thought, we, we looked around and thought, no, that's the first time I've yeah. seen in yeah. the whole tournament miss hit across. Yeah. It's been Beckham-esque the whole time. He's yeah. almost delivered it on the plate in the middle of the penalty area the whole time. He's been no. amazing to watch. And he nailed his penalty as well. Uh, best form, worst haircut. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> best form, player on form. Best player on form. Oh, God. Um, I, mm, okay. It's, it's a very tough one. Probably, we'll go with De Bruyne. Right. I think he's dictated a lot of yeah. um, Belgian players. And play. so he's very tough. And with all the players that we've had as well, um, very, very difficult. Right, score predictions for the semi-finals. We'll start with France-Belgium. Oh, such a difficult it game. <sighs> I, oh, hang on, honourable mention for Griezmann as well on form because hmm. he's a big game player. He scored about six and seven, so maybe not as had much of an impact as De Bruyne has had, but definitely worth a mention. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. Oh, that's just made it harder. Um, you know what? And this is just purely because France... I think can still go up another gear. I think it, I th- I'm going to say one nil France. All right. I don't know. I think Varane is just a very very solid defender, and he I is. know Belgium have got a very good defence. But I think sort of the likes of Griezmann, Pogba's having a decent World Cup, Mbappe down that right hand side. Kante, who never gets mentioned, but yeah. is just still being Kante. And to be fair to France, they learnt very early on in this competition that a nice sort of aesthetically pleasing rotating front three of Dembele, Mbappe, Griezmann does not work. No. And they, they went for the ugly. They I'm, I'm not saying Giroud's ugly. He's actually probably <laughs> completely the opposite. man. But he's there to just get around, he's a striker, hold the ball striker. up. And, and I think for that reason, I think France are going to win it. Either 1-0 or 2-1, but it'll be a tight one. Right. Alan? Uh, ooh, I'm going to have to go the opposite now. Right. <laughs> no. Um, Devil's advocate. No, no, my head probably says France. Um, and I'd probably go... 3-1 because I think Belgium are there to be had and I think if Brazil had played a bit better and had that intensity for the whole match they would have got yeah. past Belgium so I'll go 3-1 uh, to France um, what it, I w- would love is um, Belgium in the final because I think if Lukaku plays against all those Premier League players he'll think it's the Premier League and play shocking again <laughs> that would be lovely uh, <laughs> he'll come off against Harry Maguire and like oh no we're against Leicester yeah. um, and underperform no Oh, so you know, I'm going to have to go with Belgium now because you've both said France. Even though at the start of the tournament I picked France to win. Oh, yeah. Can I go? Can you really go against the team? I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm going to have to go with France. I still think Morocco are going to win it. <laughs> I'm, holding, I'm holding out hope. Um, no, no, I'm going to have... You are right about Kante, though. I think Hazard said today when Kante plays as he can do, you have a 98% chance of winning. And he plays 98%, not, like his, his best 98% of the time. Um, no, all right, I'm going to go with France. I'm going to go with France, I think. Belgium will struggle against that defence and Kante in midfield. I think if he breaks up a lot of, you know, he knows how to play against Hazard because they train together every day. Yeah. Um, and he can stop the Bruyne as well. I think maybe maybe he's the key to stopping that Belgium attack. But if Belgium play like against Brazil, 
attacking wise, we know how good they can be, and we know how how they could. You know, if they cut, get a couple of goals early, maybe. But um, I don't know. I'm gonna go with a bit. I'm gonna go with a three-two. I reckon it could be a close one. To Belgium, Belgium can, no to France. Oh right, because I reckon Belgium could get a couple of goals, but France will pull through like they did against Argentina. Oh, cool. Um, I'd love to see another Eric Cantona video on Eurosport. <laughs> yeah. too, though. If France gets to the final, they're going to be some excellent videos, so that'd be nice to see. Very much. Right, we're going to move on to the, the, the more difficult one now. If it gets more difficult, Croatia versus England. Alan, you can go first. Well, I think we touched on it earlier. It's an old Croatia team that have had to play a lot of minutes. If you do go with Croatia, you're getting, like, deported. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, oh. Are you the new... Um, I'm the new Brexit secretary. <laughs> the new Brexit. Well then. Um, <laughs> no, it, I, oh, of course it's England. Come on. Yeah. I want to I see Harry Kane get a couple. Um, John Stones push up to second in the uh, golden <laughs> He's boot. He's playing up alongside Harry Kane now. Yeah. Um, score? Um, we'll go with a 2-0. 2-0. Danny? Yeah, I'm going to go England. Just on form, they've played a lot better than Croatia. And as Alan mentioned... I mean, Modric looks on death's door every time he gets out on that pitch. Yeah. Um, so, Charming. Uh, I reckon he's like traded his soul to the devil or something, and he's just like, just let us win the World Cup, and you can have, <laughs> you can have me. I don't. I'll sacrifice my career. No. <laughs> wow. What am I talking about? Um, yeah, I'm gonna go England. I'm gonna go three-one. I can see Croatia scoring, but I think England will have a tougher time of dictating the tempo. But I think set pieces, which we haven't mentioned, England look dominant from. And I reckon they'll have a little bit too much for Croatia. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say exactly the same thing. Um, 3-1 England. I reckon Croatia will score. It might be a near nil at half-time again, because I reckon out the blocks, we might we might struggle a bit against them. They might start really well. But I reckon after half-time, <coughs> very inspirational Gareth Southgate team talk. Uh, we can break them down in the second half. Yeah. Um, they'll all come out in waistcoats. <laughs> uh, I was actually quite happy to see Croatia in the semis. It's refreshing, I think, isn't it? Uh, but... But as in, in terms of who would oh, more likely yeah. to be, just because a Russian team in Russia in a semi-final, oh, yeah. the whole stadium in their favour, um, yeah, England fans poisoned all over the shot. Um, <laughs> no, no, it would have been um, all against England. Very difficult to play against. Yeah, With, yeah, the team would have been yeah had the majority of the support. Would have been tough. There we go, England to win the World Cup. There's no point even watching the game, just England versus France. Just listen to game time, we'll tell you all the results. Um, so, are we going for an England-France final? Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool, isn't it? Did we call that in episode one? I no, I called it France. I think I called it France-Germany. Yeah, That I think, went well. I think I went Germany. My kiss of death has just continued. Morocco. Uh, <laughs> I believe Eden Hazard predicted... Belgium, England in the final at the start of the tournament. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. And France to be the other semi-finalists. He also predicted Argentina in the semis, but three out of four, it's not yeah. bad. He's like 75% a psychic. What does the other 25% do? D- just get just things wrong. Re- really yeah. cynical. Another note, they're all European semis. Yeah. That's yeah. quite something, isn't it? Well, First, all, yeah. it's almost all European quarters as well, other than Brazil. And Uruguay. Oh, and Uruguay. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. But I think the last six left in it were European. I think it's the first time ever that either Brazil, Germany or Argentina yeah. has not been in the semis. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Shows it's been a bit of a weird World Cup in general, hasn't it? Yeah. For, for results and probably the weirdest and the best maybe in uh in history. I think it's been great. I mean obviously England has has sort of helped drive on everyone's enjoyment of the World Cup, but I think I've watched so many of the games this World Cup and there's been some crackers. It's been really, really, really good. Has. Yeah. And there was all this worry about 
hosting in Russia and, you know, Best politics aside, it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. I haven't seen any of that really at all. So, you know, it's been so, so good. And it's what's great is seeing the people that really aren't into football just get involved. Um, yeah. Yelling at the TV screens, like, kick the ball! Like, <laughs> that kind of thing, if they don't, if you don't know about football. Um, the last good World Cup? No. Um, it's going to be weird next time, isn't it, playing in Christmas? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a bit strange. In Qatar in the desert. Just sitting, eating a mince pie and watching... Watching the football. Competitive football. It's, it's going to be the World Cup final or the Queen's speech. Well, you're not going to get those shots of sort of England fans outside in the pub. Actually, you still might. Yeah. Oh, no. still You can't deter England fans from the pub. But there's going to be shots of everyone throwing their pints up in the air well, and then icicles coming down You can't drink them. there, can you? They've, they've banned, it's, it's a Middle Eastern country, so you can't drink there, which will be interesting. Well, you, I mean, not I think, in public. I think they've done... They'll probably do like designated fan zones or something. Yeah. I think I read an article about this. I think they're going to allow it to a certain extent or something. They'll have to because, you know, they'll still be bringing beer into the stadium from however. Like you can in airports. They just ship it to the airports and I can <laughs> yeah. get really drunk waste <laughs> on my <laughs> flight transfer. It won't be, England fans won't be at the pub, they'll be at the airport. Um, <laughs> just waiting. Just waiting. Um, interesting question that I've just thought of. Right, England are in a World Cup semi-final. Irrespective of what happens on Wednesday night, um, going into future tournaments now looking ahead at the Euros looking ahead at the next World Cup what's the sort of expectation on the England side now because if they're capable to get to a World Cup semi-final Euros expectations look pretty good no? Yeah well especially with Germany and Spain not looking great who are the two powers in European football Yeah I know it is two years away but you think this is a young group of players if Gareth Southgate stays with them and builds them why not why not see them as European? And It's going to be very difficult to persuade Gareth Southgate back from Real Madrid. Manager, <laughs> um, however much trouble we're in at the Euros, uh, it's going to be difficult. No, it's like you said, it's a young team. Um, they're definitely going to progress from here. This is obviously the best chance we are going to have possibly ever to get to the final to win it. Yeah. Because this isn't going to happen again. Germany no. are going to rally and go again. Um you know, Brazil, they're not going to be the Euros, are they? Uh, silly. Uh, Spain are going to rally Just and as go much again. as Costa Rica won't be. You know, we've only seen today that Luis Enrique has taken over as a Spain manager. They're going to be a different animal going into the next Euros. Yeah. It's going to be a lot tougher, but, you know, we're going to be riding with a lot of hope. And there's that monkey off the back and we're going to have more support yeah. in the next Euros. There's every reason to believe time. we can do well with, that, with the, yeah, the inexperienced young team we've got. Can only get better, surely. Very true. Um, so there you go. Very true indeed. Uh, so, as always, I'm the one tasked with looking back through history because no one else will do it. No, I just have boring Sundays to do. Um, they've played so many games. I've picked France-Belgium. This is mental. They have played, if my maths is correct, 73 games. 73? In the country's history. My God. Um, I mean, I'm going to assume your maths isn't correct, but it's all, <laughs> it looks like a large amount. It's a lot of games. My maths is probably more wrong. caps than the entire England team have got. <laughs> Probably. No. Um, yeah, they've played a lot of games. I've looked at competitive-wise, and they've played 11 competitive games. 12 if you include whatever the Luxembourg 75th anniversary game was. I don't think that's... <laughs> I don't think that's... That's incredibly game. insulting to the iconic 1975 <laughs> Luxembourg tournament. <laughs> um, I have... If you're going to do a football podcast, know about your football, Danny. All right? <laughs> thing is, it was in 1983, which means Luxembourg started in what? My maths is terrible. 19... It doesn't matter. Whenever they start. Right, they play each other 11 times in competitive yeah. games. 
it looks good for France, to yeah. be honest. If you look as the whole, if you include friendlies, they've been absolutely destroyed in friendlies. They've lost 30 times overall in that like well, 70 games. Yeah. Ooh. But competitive-wise, France turn up. Yeah, well, what would you expect? France have been a classy team for as long as you can remember, whether it's Belgium, this is their golden generation, so... Very true. They've only actually played each other once at a World Cup. That was in the 1986 World Cup. Do you want to hazard a guess at the score? And that wasn't a pun on Eden Hazard's name. Uh, 3-1 to France. Um, Belgium won. Now, France won 4-2. Oh, well, um, far off. Jean-Pierre Papin of oh. was on the score sheet, and he's the only player I know. Oh, no, Patrick so Patrick. He's very old. <laughs> yeah, so only once at a World Cup, and France have it. Well, it. If you look at all of them, though, Belgium have won against France more times. So I think... If history tells us anything, it won't matter a damn when it comes well, to the game and the semi-final because it's its own standalone game. Well, when this episode comes out, the match will probably be on in the evening, so we'll have to wait and see. Yes. Enjoy my stat for this week. And see how accurate he was. And please Google the Luxembourg tournament. It's, <laughs> it's an absolute treat. Yeah, I, only two teams took part, France and Belgium, apparently. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Game Time. If you enjoyed this episode, you can catch us on anchor.fm slash game-time. We're also on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find us. Uh, please follow us at tw- gametime underscore pod on Twitter, or give us an email, gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com. We'll see you soon after the semifinals. Football's coming home, boys. It's coming home.